Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Has done a great work for God in the area of discipleship. He's going to give us a challenge from heaven. Let's welcome Pastor Mitchell. Thank you. Thank you for that warm welcome tonight. Always a great blessing to speak to men, and it's my privilege tonight. If you have your uh, Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. So uh, uh, I was sad to hear that they've preempted our uh, use of the school in Phoenix for our men's rally. We always have a Tremendous time there. Uh, they preempted us in Oceanside, moved us up into another place in inconvenience, so uh, caused our crowd to be much smaller. We have been running some 2,500 people on Saturday in Oceanside this year. They told me we had 1,300, uh, but God healed a bunch of people, so we thank God for that. Thank you for coming tonight. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. I read a book in 1965. I was pastoring in Emmett, Idaho. And uh, the name of this book was by Robert uh, Coleman. And uh, the title was The Master Plan of Evangelism. I read that book in 1965. I was very impressed with it. I said, it's a very good book. It's all true. But I wasn't making disciples, neither was he. He was taking the Bible, he was quoting uh, some very good uh, uh, principles, all true, just an excellent book. But he had never made a disciple, and I had never made a disciple. We were just pastoring. So it was when I came to Prescott in 1970 when God began to uh, tie us into the Jesus of People movement. Thousands of young people were getting saved, especially young men were filling the churches. And uh, when we began to work with them, God led us into disciple-making in the actual case of that. And uh, this has been a wonderful experience. Our fellowship is directly related to the Jesus People movement. How many of you were saved in 1970 to 1980? Let me see your hands. Getting fewer and fewer and fewer. So uh, it's very interesting that uh, there's some books that are very uh, prominent. One of these is God's Forever Family. How many of you read God's Forever Family? I see that you folks don't read it all then, amen. How many of you have read uh, the Jesus People Movement? 
Okay, you need to read both of those books because they're tremendous books and they tell the story of the Jesus People Movement. The latest one is uh, by Greg Laurie, of The Jesus Revolution. How many of you read The Jesus Revolution by Greg Laurie? Three of you. Can I encourage you to read? (laughs) These books have tremendous truths in them, and uh, all of these are very much worth your time. Regions Beyond. How many of you read Regions Beyond? Well, we picked up a little bit more there. All of those books are worth your time reading because they give uh, dimensions and insight uh, into disciple-making that's real. It's not just theory. It's actual uh, principles of people that are making disciples, and it's worth your time to, do, to read that. So I want to minister this morning, from, uh, this morning, evening from 2 Timothy chapter 2 on a culture of discipleship. A culture must be created to make disciples, and this is what this passage of Scripture is all about. Second Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 1, You therefore, my son, he's writing to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit you to faithful men, that's disciple-making, who shall be able to teach others also. When you're in a church that is a disciple-making church, you find that not only is the pastor imparting truth, but he has people that also have a principle that they begin to talk about and they're making disciples of each other and talking about spiritual things. So, verse 3 says, You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strives for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Now think with me for a moment because I'm going to be making several statements about a culture of discipleship involving yourself in engaging that principle so that you can influence others in things of the kingdom of God. Creating a culture for disciple-making is a principle that every church ought to be involved in. And something that you need to realize is that men respond to a challenge. That's what discipleship's all about. One of the things that's unique about our fellowship is that we, if you go to one of our conferences or one of our events, you'll find that probably 80% of the attenders are men. That's very unique. If you don't think that's unique, why well, turn on your television and watch T.D. Jakes. He has a building filled with women, half of them dancing most of the time. 
But our fellowship draws men because we put a challenge to men, and that challenge is a, uh, a challenge to be engaged. Second Timothy 2, 3, let me read it again. You, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That challenges men to rise up. And it begins to use three principles that we're going to mention here. One of these is a soldier. And uh, uh, soldiers uh, are made in a process. How many of you have been in the military? Let me see your hands. Okay. So you're going to understand exactly what I'm talking about. Making a soldier is a process. Just simply uh, enlisting or being drafted, whatever the case is, does not make you a soldier, but becoming a soldier is a process. I never forget uh, when I uh, joined the military in 1948, uh, and uh, I'd never been hardly anywhere, and so uh, they sent me to uh, uh, Texas to do my uh, training, and uh, the first thing they did was uh, herded us all into a barber shop. I had wavy hair, beautiful waves, a ducktail. How many remember when ducktails were popular? So I had a big buck ducktail, and, and this kid said, uh, "What do you want today? How do you?" Want? I said, "Well, take a little bit off the ears, and off my ears." Zzz, zzz, zzz. And I came out bald as a cue ball. <laughs> they marched us over to a warehouse that had clothing that didn't fit me. They issued the clothing, and, uh, and I was all fitted out and went through a process uh, to become a soldier. They gassed us so that we would uh, be afraid of gas, learn how to put on a gas mask, uh, and uh, it was a unique experience uh, moving from a civilian who did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it to begin to get up when they wanted me to get up, go to bed when they wanted me to go to bed, march when they said march, and do whatever they wanted me to do. They put us into a warehouse. There was probably a 1,000, 2,000 in there, and they read us the Articles of War. How many of you know what the Articles of War are? Anybody here? Those of you that have been in the military, they set you down, and then they tell you what they're going to expect of you, and they tell you what they're, how they're going to hurt you if you don't do what they tell you to do. That's the Articles of War. So it's a process. So is making a disciple a process. It's not automatic. There are certain things that are mentioned here uh, in this uh, and uh, the examples that are used in, uh, in Paul's writings are those of a farmer, those of a uh, soldier, and those of an athlete. You can search those out yourself. Uh, but all of these have principles, uh, and this is to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. These are the three major tests of a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And by the time you get through uh, being a proper disciple, you ought to be able to do a conflict with the world, the flesh, and the devil and come out victoriously 
on the other side. I well remember the uh, days when Mark Olson was a young disciple here. Is anybody from Mark Olson's church tonight is in revival? Let me see your hands. Any, okay, we got a few. So, uh, uh, Mark Olson uh, was uh, confronted by uh, Phil Payson, who began to implant some principles in him when he was a young disciple. He wound up in Davao City of the Philippines, probably one of the most difficult places to be a disciple. When Mark went in, I gave a challenge. I had been to Davao City preaching, and I came back and preached in the conference, and I come back and preached in the conference, said, the police in Davao City find eight beheaded bodies every morning in Davao City because uh, the uh, uh, Muslims, the NPA, uh, and the terrorists were at work, and every morning the police would find eight bodies, and they had to match the heads with the bodies. That was their day's work. And that's when Mark and Michelle went to Davao City and began their ministry. Built a tremendous work there. It's a tremendous work now planting churches. And Kiko is the pastor there. Pray for Kiko. He's getting some years on him. And and some of our guys, which are old as he is, are are dropping dead. They're dropping like flies, guys. So you better pay attention to what you're doing. You better eat right. I was talking to somebody just a little while ago. We were talking about that because guys now are 45 years old. They think they're going to live forever, but you're not. And we have the evidence of some of our guys. I forget who it was. Uh, three weeks ago, they said they counted up all of our pastors that are 65. I said, wow, I didn't realize that. So a lot of them aren't making it past 65. So if you want to live a long life, be sure that you pay attention to what you're doing. So go back to Mark Olson. Mark Olson uh, built a tremendous work there in Davao City. And uh, I remember when I was preaching there, uh, while this is all going on, we used to stay at a uh, motel around the corner uh, toward the airport. And uh, while I was there preaching, uh, there's a large Catholic church on the corner as you turn there. And one of the NPA went in, sat down by a policeman in that church, put a 45 to his head, blew his head off while the service was going. I got up calmly and walked down about his business. That's all was going on while Mark and Michelle were building a church there, which is a powerful church today. So let's think about this business of a challenge to create a culture for discipleship. Thankfully, that uh, we don't have to go through that. that uh, Devout City has been changed by the preaching of the gospel. That's not taking place now, and we thank God for that. But uh, life is a challenge. Can you say amen? Steve Jobs. How many of you know who Steve Jobs is? He's a computer genius. So a friend of his named James Scully, who was an executive in uh, Pepsi-Cola, he challenged to join with him in computer uh, making and programming. 
And he said, uh, uh, you're going to spend the rest of your life uh, making sugar water. He's talking about Pepsi-Cola. Why don't you come with me and change the world? That's what Steve Jobs was doing. And no doubt many of you sitting there today, you're the benefactors of his genius uh, as he has in the computer world uh, done that. The challenge of man of men is to rise to a challenge. And I want you to know that men will do that. Men will respond to a challenge. This is why they don't go to some of these girly churches uh, because there's no challenge for them. You know what a girly church is, don't you? That's one that the women run the the business, which they do in many churches. So think about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was one of the uh, heroes of World War II. He was prime minister of England, and he probably single-handedly was more uh, important for England's victory in surviving the war than any other human being. When Germany was firing rockets into London uh, on a daily basis, uh, Winston Churchill refused to be intimidated. He'd still take his walks uh, in the streets of London, uh, and uh, he was on the radio challenging uh, the the, uh, citizens of London uh, to not cave in, don't be afraid, go about your daily life. And when he's speaking to them, he says, all I have to offer you is blood, sweat, and tears. But Winston Churchill was one of the powerful leaders uh, in World War II uh, as his nation was being uh, confronted by uh, Adolf Hitler. uh, And uh, he was probably responsible for reinforcing uh, the morale of the the, uh, English people. So here we have the business of making disciples. Disciples will be responsive to a challenge when Paul writes in this passage of Scripture that we ought to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He knows what he's doing because a soldier who will be involved in military is a person who will have to endure hardness. There's a book, a very interesting book that's worth your time reading. It's Maxwell's, Maxwell's Book of Manliness. It uses Winston Churchill as one of its uh, uh, examples, uses uh, Douglas MacArthur, another hero of World War II, and George Patton, who successfully uh, commanded tank b- battalions uh, And uh, as he uh, challenged those, he uses those and many others uh, as examples of uh, uh, manliness. It's worth your time to read. So moving ahead for a moment, uh, Paul also writes in here to avoid diversions from being what a man is, uh, manliness and manhood. And he always points out uh, that the devil will make a counter-offer to the calling that is given to you. Paul writes about temptations of Satan in the wilderness, and this is written in the four Gospels, how Jesus 
was uh, in, the, in the wilderness and the devil tempting him. And the issue is opposing the cross of Jesus Christ. This is an important dimension. If you want to make a disciple, you have to consider the issue of the cross of Jesus Christ because that often mentioned as something that you're going to have to understand and know about. We have a rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Lord, I want to follow you. And Jesus gives him an interesting answer that is a classic of all time. Fine. He says, go and sell all that you have, and you'll have riches in heaven, and follow me. Now, that's the only person in the Bible that he mentioned that to, but I often think about that passage of Scripture. Think about it for a moment, because there's a principle that's involved there, and that principle is a principle that has to do with the kingdom of God. I often wonder about this young man. The Bible says uh, that he turned, walked away. Jesus didn't run after him and say, wait, 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 let me, let me cut a different deal with you. Maybe not all that you have, but just half of it. He let him walk away, and the Bible says he loved him, but he let him walk. I often wonder about that young man. The Bible says he had great wealth. In other words, his God was money. That temptation is still valid today. Can you say amen? I have no doubt there are men sitting here right now that rather than follow the will of God, following Jesus Christ, you have compromised and made decisions where, where God wants you to go and what he wants you to do. You're compromising tonight as you're sitting here. So I often wonder about this young man. Could he have been maybe one of the apostles that we read about, Peter, James, and John? We don't know that because we don't know what happened to him. Nothing else is ever mentioned about him other than he's never mentioned again except that he turned, walked away from Jesus, and did not do what Jesus told him to do. So here we come to an issue now, and that issue is faithfulness of heart. How many of you have been a Marine? Let me see. Is there any Marines here this morning or this evening? One. Okay. Anybody, anything else but Marine? Air Force. Anybody here? I know we got one, whoever Mike Sanchez is, and me, and, and, uh, and uh, Riley. Anybody in the Army? Okay. So... As we think about this, the Marines have a, uh, a, a motto, and that motto is Semper Fidelis, which means always faithful. And any Marine lives by that motto. I remember I was stationed in Guam and Marianas Islands. We used to go into uh, uh, Ghana. That's a city in the middle of, of Guam, Marianas Islands. And uh, a lot of times we go down, we'd see the MPs hauling off a, a uh, vehicle full of Marines. Been down. Marines love to fight. Can you say amen? So we'd go down and, and uh, there, 
and stay out of the way of the Marines because they'd pick a fight if they couldn't find one. And so Semper Fidelis is always faithful, but they also are tremendous military men. Can you say amen? So thank God for that. I know we got one of Peter. Is Pete Walter still here? Whose hand was that over there? Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? Pastor Adam back with you again. Just wanted to give you this report that uh, you have been doing a great job of sharing the news of this podcast and continuing to download uh, episodes on a daily basis. The show has been growing by leaps and bounds. There's more of you listening now than at any other time in the podcast history. So we just want to say thank you once again for tuning in and listening to these anointed sermons. We just want to ask you one thing real quick. If you could do us a favor and leave us a review, especially those of you on Apple devices, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, uh, we need some five-star reviews. And also, uh, if you could leave a few notes in there about what you like best about this podcast, it would really, really help us. I'm sure that you know somebody who could use a daily podcast to get them through the day. Please make sure you share it with them. And uh, also, uh, we are trying to get our hands on sermons from all across our fellowship. If you've got some good ones to share with us, we'd encourage you to please contact us using the links in the show notes. We'd love to feature your sermons from your church as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of the sermon. Okay, thank God. I saw another one. He's half there, lifted his hand. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 says, No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Acts chapter 6 and verse 3, remember I'm talking about character, I'm talking about engagement. Wherefore, brethren, look among you, uh, uh, Look among you for seven men of uh, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, or spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, it's interesting that when they're needing men that will take responsibility, and what the responsibility is to keep a riot from breaking out when they're passing out food, then they want to find women who have... uh, or men, rather, who have character. And they draw out some guidelines, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So think about this for a moment now, this evening, because this is a rehearsal of the motto that the Marines pound into their members, uh, always uh, faithful. And it is Christ's example, and it's mentioned over and over in the Bible, that faithfulness uh, is going to be a quality that is demanded and it is expressed. We have two uh, people in the Scripture. Both of these, uh, their downfall was money. One was Judas Iscariot. You know the story that Judas Iscariot Uh, for the love of money, betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And also, uh, 
you have the rich young ruler. Both of these are, are flagrant examples of men that caved in to a diversion, and that's the love of money. I used an illustration, I think, recently in one of the sermons I preached is, is uh, written by the commander of the Navy SEALs. The Navy SEALs uh, are a marvelous group of men. This uh, book is called Make Your Bed. And it outlines uh, the training that these Navy SEALs go through, which is mind-boggling. And uh, the reason that this is interesting to read is the process they go. They want to make sure nobody makes it through the Navy SEALs uh, until they've got the goods. And the, uh, the training they have is mind-boggling. Go through that in this book, Make Your Bed. And uh, these are the men that went into Pakistan and killed uh, Osama bin Laden, bin Laden. They made one mistake, and that is that uh, they were under the guard of uh, a little queer named Obama. Did you hear what I said? A queer. Thank God we got rid of him. They had to uh, send these men into Pakistan, brave men. Obama wouldn't give his permission, so they finally gave their own permission and killed Osama bin Laden, caught him in, in a hideout. He'd been there, been looking for, for a long time. And these Navy SEALs have a, a quality that is ingrained in them. They train them endlessly. They have a companion that attempts to be with them. Their, their entire job is to try to get them to quit. They do this by intimidation. They say, you don't have it. You'll never make it through, and uh, you're going to quit. You're, you don't have the goods. And so all the time they're training, they have someone with them that's trying to get them to quit. The reason for that is that they want men that have enough nerve to go into Pakistan. Which, I mean, you're talking about going into Pakistan when you're going into a Muslim nation, and you know that uh, what's-his-face doesn't have the guts to do the job. The one mistake they made is that they shot him with a, a, rut, a lead bullet rather than dip it in pig's blood as to secure his future and then send the pictures out all over the world. That would have stopped much of the garbage that we've got tonight. Who was a blackjack uh, pack... Uh, pack uh, 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 can't think of the name for a moment. Uh, he was in uh, the Philippine Islands, and they were having major problems down in Davao and down in that area with the uh, Muslims. And so he began to execute the Muslims that he caught as terrorists, uh, dipping the bullets in pig's blood. Instantly, that insurrection stopped because that sealed them for eternity according to their uh, their. So let's ponder this for a moment. We're talking about making a disciple. Making a disciple is a process, and God help us to make men who have guts. Can you say amen? That's the real issue of the hour, because always faithful is that. There's a mental and emotional uh, issue, and uh, 
This is what's involved with making seals. They put them through drills, exhaustive drills over and over again, and they're attempting to bring out the uh, fear of danger through this for a soldier to overcome that danger. For an athlete, the issue is to conquer exhaustion because no athlete will ever be a champion until they're able to conquer exhaustion and win the contest. And the hardworking farmer has to stick to it until the crop comes in. Can you say amen? So let's think about our fellowship for a moment because our fellowship is in the business of making disciples. Think about this for a moment because you can go to any of our conferences and you'll see overwhelming numbers of men that are there. So I'm going to uh, go back to that before I finish. But let's think for a moment uh, about our text uh, because we have eternal consequences uh, and the choice uh, is to aspire to honor versus uh, dishonor. Let me read uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 21 and 2. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and made for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now think about that for a moment, because this sets down real principles, uh, because this is in the arena of life. I was thinking, maybe if you've been in an earlier discipleship, you heard me use this illustration, but when I uh, used to have some time, I used to go down with other guys, uh, and uh, we went jackrabbit hunting down the desert. I think I was with Tom Drought one time, and uh, we're making the course uh, riding in a jeep that'll jump over bushes and go up and down uh, uh, rough places. And we topped this rise, and lo and behold, right in front of us, we caught two rabbits fornicating. (laughs) I mean, they were hard at it. But when they heard our our, uh, jeep, instantly... He jumped off and ran off about 100 yards. And this, I'll never forget this. And uh, the female remained pretty much where she was. But as he was running, he gave it a second thought. He turned around and came back. It was a fatal mistake. <laughs> Two men in a Jeep with shotguns are deadly. He never left the place alive. I've never forgotten that. So here he is, every, uh, every, uh, every symptom of his being was saying, run, run, run. But he had a taste uh, of sex, and he wasn't going to let that get away from him. Now, I've pastored him. 
He ran back to finish his job, but both of them went into eternity. That was so distinctive to me that I've never forgotten it. Because the minute he saw us, every symptom in his body went on full alert. Run for your life. But he gave it a second thought, and he never left the spot alive. He was dead. Wrong choices in life are fatal. Can you say amen? So ponder this for a moment, uh, because appetite uh, over righteousness uh, brings many a man, man to a, a fatal eternity. Two, Second Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse uh, 21, let me read it again. If a man therefore purge himself uh, from these... He shall be a vessel unto honor. Remember, it's honor or dishonor. Sanctified and fit for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Now ponder this for a moment because we're talking about heaven or hell. We're talking about eternal blessing and a present accomplishment with the calling and the ministry that we have. God promises deliverance, can you say amen, and a clean conscience and a fruitful life. Thank God for this. Purged is the objective. The example of followers that they can make impact in their lives. This is what discipleship's all about. We're gathered in this building tonight not just simply to have a religious meeting, we're gathered here tonight to, to make disciples. To make disciples mean that men have to be challenged and they have to make a choice for that challenge. And there's an eternal blessing because they become purged from their sins and they set an example for followers and they make impact such as our fellowship has made Impact. Many examples are given. I was in Mexico City uh, in 2016 when Donald Trump was uh, elected. And when he was elected, they, uh, I was watching the inauguration and all kinds of ceremonies. But they had three men that were giving a prayer for him. One was some Lukey charismatic. One was a Jew. And one was Franklin Graham. I was in a hotel room in Mexico City watching these events take place. I was very interested because I was a fan of Donald Trump. And in my opinion, he's going to turn out to be one of the great presidents of America. And uh, many of you are making better money right now than you were making before he was elected. Direct result, paying less taxes. Can you say amen? When I go preach overseas, I'm astonished in Australia why their news is they've done Donald Trump in. Uh, he's nothing. He's ignorant. Uh, but when you come from America, you see a different picture if you quit listening to CNN. Go to England, you get a different picture. Channel 7, BBC. But that's not the real story. So, here now is the Truth is there, and actually America. 
So I listened to the charismatic. They prayed for them, some lucky prayer. The Jew, he was about half-hearted about what he was doing. And then Franklin Graham prayed. When he prayed a, a wonderful prayer of blessing, and when he ceased praying, he said, and I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. The presence of God filled that room in Mexico City. I said, yes, there's a man that's not ashamed. Millions of people heard that prayer. Millions of people saw Franklin Graham, who's not afraid to put his future on the line and pray in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what our call is this morning, this evening. Can you say amen? To bear witness to Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, I felt the presence of God fill that room, but so did millions of others around the world as they were watching that. So think about this for a moment. Here we're talking about a culture of discipleship. I had the privilege of preaching Lee Wilson's final services in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I had a letter that his children had written about him and a wonderful testimony of Lee Wilson. Sad that we lost. He's a good man, a man of God. And his children wrote of him, Lee Wilson. People came to visit Lee and thank him for teaching them how to be a man. Can you imagine that? I wonder when your last days come, is anybody going to say of you, uh, you're a man? If they're not, well, you can change that. Can you say amen? Men have certain distinctives that women don't have. When I came to Prescott, one of the council members was a woman. She's a good woman, but women don't belong on councils. Women don't belong in charge of churches. That make you nervous? Well, you're going to get more nervous before I get through here. (laughs) Did you run her off? No. But God caused her to cross what our purpose was. She wanted me to start a home for unwed mothers, and I wouldn't do it. They bought property, her and another one, and I wouldn't go for that. And so out of that, they finally went their way. On their intentions, but Lee Wilson was a man, and you didn't have to write a letter to do that. All you needed to do, he used to teach school, and his children wrote that when the teachers had problems with the students, they'd bring them to Lee Wilson, and he'd he'd discipline them. (laughs) They said they added when that was still legal. So my mind's eye says, yes, that's good. Lee, I raise my children that way. Nothing says it like pain, folks. <laughs> you may think you have a better idea, but I can tell you that nothing says it like pain. So going on for a moment, uh, I had the privilege of uh, uh, doing the services for uh, Dave Stevenson's wife in Phoenix. And one thing that came to my mind as I was doing that, uh, I have a tremendous admiration for men who are willing to leave their home and family and go into a strange culture and make disciples. 
Some of you are here tonight that have done that. But I made mention of that when I did the services for Dave's wife. It came to my mind, thank God for the women who have followed pastors. uh, And some of these have paid a very high price for that. Mrs. Stevenson, if I recall correctly, had two babies in the Philippine Islands uh, and raised them while they were there in the Philippines uh, as missionaries. Uh, So as you and I are sitting here tonight enjoying the presence of God, Jose Torres is in a hospital. I have great admiration for Jose Torres. He's built a tremendous work in San Luis, Mexico. And as he's built that, he's an American citizen. But he's put his life in Mexico. And I can't remember, uh, maybe it seemed to me he has 38 churches uh, that he's Disciple men sent them out, and could be more or less now. And so Jose is uh, uh, in a hospital, and uh, I think he's maybe he's out now in a room in uh, Ecuador. And uh, pray when you're praying that he'll make a complete recovery. We need Jose in ministry. Thank God for that. Think about that now. Jose could be in anywhere in America, spending his time, but he has a burden for Hispanic people in Mexico, and he's willing to spend his time uh, as an American citizen uh, in adapting to Mexico. So ponder this for a moment as we uh, draw this down to conclusion. Uh, And uh, we have men right here tonight that have done missionary time. Dwayne Renz, Thank God for he and his wife did time in Africa. Greg and Lisa Mitchell did time in Australia, making disciples, planting churches, then went into uh, South Africa, did a tremendous job there, built a building in South Africa that is being used for the gospel ministry. Tremendous task there. Uh, we have uh, uh, Mike Sawyer, I don't know if he's here, did time in South Africa. We have uh, uh, Joan Connie Campbell, did time in Malaysia. Uh, we have Diego Galvan, came uh, up out of Mexico, is our Hispanic pastor. Thank God for him. Eddie Kidwell's here. He did time overseas. Now think about this for a moment. Uh, how many of you would uh, think it over when your pastor said, uh, you asked him if he'd send you overseas. Do you realize the danger that you're taking? Depend on this bunch to send your support? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm, I think that through for a moment. We've had a couple of fellowship splits. I've had men call me. I had a man call me from Belize. He said, Pastor, would you help me? Uh, my pastor called me, and they're not going to support me anymore. Here he is, him and his family. He's in Belize. Uh, gets a phone call and says, unless you leave the fellowship, you can forget about support of any kind or even a dollar from us. I brought him back, uh, pioneered him in another city. But think about this now. 
How many people have laid their life on the line like Dave Stevens and his family have babies overseas in the Philippines and that's quite a task at that. Can you say amen? So here's Jose. He goes in to preach in Ecuador, has a stroke, have to do a heart, heart operation also and uh, is struggling to recover now and we're believing God he's making good progress uh, to come out. But think about this now. Thank God for these men. John and Esther Gooding went into Africa. Keith Sullivan and his wife in, uh, uh, in Europe. And there's others. Some of you are sitting here tonight. So think about this now. As you're sitting there and you're uh, comfortable with your job, would you actually trust your life and future your family? Remember, it came to me recently uh, uh, that when we announce a couple and send them out, we are setting the course of their life. Not only their life, but their children's life. Their children are going to go. They're going to be affected by the people they're pastoring. Sometimes that doesn't turn out well. But think about this for a moment now. Discipleship is God's method for world evangelism. When I read this book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, I said, that's it. That's what it is. But he'd never done that. He just had biblical principle. And I'd never done it until 1970 when we began to get a movement of the Jesus people and we began to make disciples we begin to be led in methodology of making disciples, uh, and we have workers all over the world today because uh, discipleship is God's method, uh, and it works. Can you say amen? I want you to bow your head with me. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.